Welcome to the Creative Condition Podcast, the show where I, Ben Talon, illustrator and writer, invite people from the creative industry and far beyond to share their story of creativity, both the nature and the nurture, the chaos and the calm. Creativity is a fundamental pillar of human happiness, something I'm increasingly fascinated by and so often misunderstood. So little by little, I hope to build an archive of fascinating stories, experiences and tips to help you maximise yours. The show is supported by Illustration X. Go and take a look at their incredible global range of illustration and animation portfolios now at illustrationx.com. If you like the music for the show, go and listen to Dirty Freud over on Spotify and all good music platforms now. And then I discovered this gut-brain axis, this connection between our mind and our and our gut. And then it's just fascinating that lots of um, metabolites, lots of uh, compounds that are influencing our, our brain, such as dopamine or serotonin. So uh, they are pr- produced in the gut and the gut microbiome influences it so much. Today I'm talking about guts. I'm joined by Polish microbiologist Zuzana Kowalska, who does fascinating work involving machine learning, AI in analyzing and providing data on the gut microbiome. The importance of the gut microbiome cannot be understated and it's in the advent of research, but we're seeing more and more that it has a massive influence on the brain and therefore creativity. And that's why I wanted to talk to Zuzana about today. Hello and welcome to the show. How are you doing? I hope you're well. My name is Ben Tallon. This is the Creative Condition Podcast. How's your week been? I hope you're good. It's only Tuesday when this is going out and that will leave me just short of two weeks on the book for the Creative Conditions Kickstarter campaign. Thank you to everybody who's got involved so far. The support has been nothing short of profound. I said recently um, I contributed to a thread run by creative boom that Katie Cowan posted. I know Katie from my time in Manchester and she's always been a keen supporter of our industry which is brilliant and we need so much of that just now in these tumultuous times. And Katie posted a thread and she was asking questions about how being a people person or being kind has helped you in your creative practice. And I thought it was a great question so I elaborated a number of times on uh, Twitter, X, whatever we're calling it these days, um, and LinkedIn. And one thing that I did elaborate on is my biggest joy about the creative industry and the arts, which is an industry built by people who have creative practices that are an extension of self. It doesn't have to be explicit. It doesn't have to be 100%. It could just be some tiny part of yourself that you implement in your work. But to me, that's what generates this beautiful coming together of people who all want to help each other and work towards a bigger cause, which is the arts, which is artistic expression, which is creativity at large. And it's that that I fell in love with when I walked through the doors of art college in 2000 on a BTEC in graphic design and saw all these people dressing how they wanted to dress, talking about things they were into, sharing these loves for things that were often quite nerdy or quite niche. And I just thought it was magic. And I've I've always sought that ever since. And this industry is full of it. 
And in terms of the kindness and help, I've always tried to help other people. And I've been helped by so many generous people who went above the call of duty. Whether they were art directors, creative directors, designers, or artists, or lecturers. So many people have given their own time beyond what their job required them to give me. And whether it's messages over WhatsApp suggesting, you know, that I'd try a new style or that I've overworked a piece and constructive feedback or just telling me stories about their experiences that will help me to accelerate my learning. It's just something that is endlessly wondrous to me. And that's something in the answer that I gave. And this Kickstarter campaign has been just that because at times it does feel like this cause to try and elevate creativity in our society and culture is mine and mine alone and it, of course it's not I wouldn't be doing it if it was mine alone but it does feel like that you know when you spend a lot of time on your own and it's a cause that you feel very passionate about and then you have to watch your irresponsible immature government stepping up onto a podium with the words stop the boats on the front at the same time as a climate crisis that threatens us all, um, a cost of living crisis in the UK, mental health crisis which deepens all the time, struggling health system, food poverty, um, children left to rot because they've been born to irresponsible parents and nobody's picking up the pieces. You know, it's um, very troubling times and therefore it's a cause that I want to bang the drum about for the rest of my days because those fuckers are not doing it. They're not gonna be doing it anytime soon. If they can't get their act together to sort healthcare out and they're too busy looking for cheap votes from you know disenfranchised people about these poor, poor people who are having to cross oceans to seek refuge and clean water and not be killed. I mean, what kind of human stands behind that podium and gives that message just to stay in a job when they're already rich beyond belief it's the level of ego is scintillating and i try not to get too political on this podcast but that's how i feel and in a roundabout way that's why i love the arts and i will always fight for them and that's what i'm trying to do with this book and this whole project the creative condition this podcast and, and anything else that i do with it in future and that's why i'm doing it because you know we need it in the world right now it's a it's a complete joke that's going on but anyway there we are that's just a little rant over please do consider cons like supporting the book on kickstarter so many people have and, and my point was you know is i spend all this time alone thinking about all this stuff and doing this stuff and it it does feel far down the pecking order but it's really not because it's at the bedrock of solving any of the big problems we face you know i had a conversation on the dog walk with some friends and we highlighted that kind of rhetoric that people like to throw around, which is, well, you know, can we support anybody else when we can't solve our own homelessness problem? And it's like, well, who's contributing to putting these people on the streets? It's the people in charge. Austerity. A consumerist capitalist society with sky-high rents. No support for mental health. No champion of creativity. Is there any wonder that people have come from tough starts in life and suffer an addiction and... Um, not able to find their way in life are on the streets no it's not it takes a bit of love and care it takes long term thinking it takes the implementation of a society that looks out for those who are vulnerable um, 
And I believe that creativity and self-expression, if it's better implemented in a more rounded education, then those people who are the most vulnerable, who are likely to become homeless or become at risk to that, then they're better helped. They're better looked after. They can, they can be shown another way. They can be they can be shown that they can be as successful as anybody else, and that they can express themselves and their views in a way that helps them to find their way in life. I recently lost my oldest friend at the age of 38. I'm not going to go into detail. I'm not going to name names. But I'm a stern believer that if he had had better guidance in education, because he had a tough start and a tough background, he'd be here today. You know. And I think that things like homeless, homelessness are very much interwoven with this idea of artistic expression and creativity. It's not about creating artists or designers or performers. It's about teaching people that there are other ways other than academic intelligence to express themselves and to, to understand their thoughts and emotions and feelings so that they can deal with them and address them and make decisions in their adult lives that lead them somewhere better and more stable. Huge believer in that. Anyway, I could go all day, but this book, if you can't tell by now, is a real project of passion. So that's why I'm asking everyone to support it. Um, you know, I have, I have young children. I want them to grow up in a world that values this stuff and isn't just about divisions and about scapegoating poor people. You know, I want to show them what's happening. They're a little too young at the minute, three and a half. But the moment they hit an age when they can understand, I'll tell them exactly what's going on and why these people are being victimised and why it's wrong. You know, um interesting times a big thank you to the founding sponsor of the show illustration x you can check out their global range of illustrators and animators now illustrationx.com see all that other good work they're a b corp recently certified great to see they do a lot of good work for our industry in terms of ip around ai and um fair rates and contracts with the aoi and other organizations and it's um they're good people so anyway, that's uh, the rant over. Slightly long one today. I do apologise, but it's timely and it's needed. And I'm very excited today to bring you Zuzana Kawowska, who is a Polish microbiologist. So Zuzana and I were a part of six people doing a talk for Polish agency AdMind. We were asked to speak at an internal event, which we did, and I was absolutely gobsmacked by Zuzana's presentation. She's working with machine learning, um, collating data through AI in researching and understanding the gut microbiome. So for anyone unfamiliar, Susanna's going to give us an explanation of that. And the gut microbiome is essentially what is estimated to be three kilograms of good bacteria in our large intestine. And as research has gone on over these recent years, we're seeing more and more just how linked that is to the mind, to the brain health and to our mood and our memory and our confidence and our ability to recognize, to process, to stabilize our emotions. It's really, really profound stuff and inherently linked to creativity. So for anyone who listened to episode 202 with Kimberly Wilson, Kimberly is a psychologist specializing in nutrition and whole body mental health. And again, it's this idea that we have to look after the entire organism, body, mind, and brain. And by doing that, we maximize our creativity because we are in better spirits. We have better clarity of mind. We are able to make better decisions. We have better ideas. We are able to compartmentalize and deal with um, the adversity we encounter in life. 
And I can tell you from a personal experience that revamping my diet and going that way since listening to Kimberly Wilson and now Zuzanna, it's a game changer. The naps are so infrequent. I am happier on a day-to-day basis. I am dealing with the news better than I have done for the last few years. Um, And that's why I've continued down this track because we have the dark nights again. It's November. It's a challenging time for our mental health. So that's why I'm bringing you Susanna. And I I hope you enjoy this conversation. It's a deep one. It's called Guts. And I hope it's going to make a difference for you too. So I'm Polish. Uh, I was born in Poland, even though I spent some of my childhood in France. Uh, so I'm, I'm a bit connected to France too, and also my partner uh, is French. So I'm Polish, uh, I was born and raised uh, for the most part in Poland, and my both parents are scientists, so I was uh, growing up in a very like, scientific environment. So my mother, she's a professor of philosophy, and my father of uh, quantum chemistry, so there's two very abstract and very uh, different uh, scientific uh, you know, subjects, but I really loved it. So I, I saw how to be a scientist, that you have to travel, you have to like do a lot of conferences and writing. And I remember doing my first like PhD in astronomy when I was like seven. I just wrote three pages <laughs> and show it to my mom who was doing a PhD then, I think, yes. Or my, my father, I don't remember. I want also to have a PhD when I was seven. Ask my parents, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. And um, so did you get to kind of did you get to play, you know, like with the equipment? Did you, did, what was like yes. as a small child, was this kind of a fun environment even from an early age? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as well, like whole, whole, my whole family is quite scientifically related. Lots of people that are very curious minds. So of course I got the microscope. I got this uh, a telescope also like for children, all, all of that. Uh, and I loved playing with it. Uh, so I also had a huge passion for science. Uh, I was just quite, I was quite like child that's, gets interested very like easily in something. I was very interested in arts and art too. So I loved music. So I was like singing, playing piano and also uh, indulging in, in science. So I loved all of that. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, science is a hugely creative field, isn't it? And it's not, it doesn't get the quite the same. I don't know if glamour, glamour is the right word, but it doesn't get the same kind of gloss that art and music kind of get in mm-hmm. their end product but it's every bit as creative. Yes, yeah, I, I was thinking about that and I, I feel like being a scientist is also very creative and it's quite similar to being an artist, let, let's say, because you have to travel, you have to like talk with people. There, there's a very huge um, emphasis on collaborations and it's it's not that subjective as art, but it's still very subjective. Because like you have you can have infinite amount of solutions to one problem. You can you can use any method that you want, you can have any approach that you feel is the most suitable. And then some people will agree and will not agree with you. So I think it's it's very, very creative and unfortunately very subjective too, let's say. Uh maybe less subjective because you have some results. If it works, it means it works, right? It's not maybe as, as subjective as in, in art and singing, for example, or something else. But yes, uh, I think it's very creative. But it doesn't have this this gloss, as, as you say. It's not that glamorous, I would say. Uh, you don't hear about, like, scientists are celebrities, but in my small scientific bubbles, right? Uh, bubble, right? So I would like that to change. So I'm, I'm having, like, an Instagram account on microbiome because I want, like, all of people to see that this is something that can be very cool. 
And I'm also a yoga practitioner. So I'm, I'm in this bubble of people that are vegan, are doing yoga. They're very like health focused. And those people love microbiome. <laughs> they love everything <laughs> I'm saying. <laughs> so I'm really, I'm really happy that I can share my knowledge with people that are not scientists, just normal people that just want to take care of, of our health. Well, this is the thing, isn't it? And this is why I got very excited when I heard your talk, because, you know, I've been, so I've got a book coming out with the same title of his podcast, The Creative Condition, mm-hmm. next spring. And it's very much a kind of a biography of or an exploration of cre- human creativity. And right from the start, I tried to break down the the mistake of classing creativity as the same as being artistic, because yes, they have a famous relationship, but creativity can be absolutely anything in any field. And as I've written this book and done more and more research, Things like nutrition and physical activity have really struck me as things that people don't consider as a big part of the creative process. They think of it as something for the mind only. But actually, it's about all the body. We are one organism. Yes, I, I agree with you uh, 100%. And from coming from a, like that microbiome scientist, I would say that our health is so much connected to our brain. I don't want to get too scientific, but we have this gut-brain axis and our and our gut influences enormously our brain and bacteria that are living in our gut are influencing a lot of our brain, our cognition, how we think. Uh, uh, also, in, when you are sick, if you have depression or any other psychological or uh, like brain-related problems, it's, it's very often connected to gut microbiome, some dysbiosis, some inflammation in your body. So as you say, it's if your body is sick, if you're inflamed or if you're not taking care of your body, your brain will not function correctly and you cannot like have your full potential creativity in the creativity, basically. Yes, very much so. And, and this is the thing. And it's so would you mind giving us um, just a little overview of the of the gut microbiome and just a, a kind of, I guess, a simple <laughs> explanation for yeah, a sure. simple person like me? <laughs> sure. So. We have actually, we have microbiome on our whole body. Like our whole body is covered in bacteria that are good for us, for gently our skin, for example, respiratory tract. But the the biggest like home of a microbiome is our gut. So in, in our gut, a large intestine, we have lots and lots of bacteria. We can estimate it for like three kilograms, which is a lot. And we have, uh, and you would think that if we have so many bacteria in our gut, they have to do something. And actually they do. Um, and gut microbiome, so gut microbiome are all bacteria that live in our gut and they are, they are involved in many, many very important uh, functions. So for example, they help us digest food. So they break, for example, stuff that our body cannot break with enzymes that are only produced by bacteria. And then they get more and more energy from, from our food, vitamins, then also influence of metabolism. They also influence our immune system. So there's lots of stuff going on in our gut that is connected to our immune system and those bacteria are also influencing it a lot so uh yes yeah, so to some other gut microbiome all the bacteria in our gut they influence our metabolism our uh, immune system so our health in general and they're also they're in, involved in met- metabolism so for example uh, people that are overweight they will have slightly different microbiome that people that are lean uh so there is the this is why there is such a boom right now i think on gut microbiome because we know more and more that it influences so many things and so much into so much our health and also because 
there's it's so easy let's say to influence our microbiome because we can do it by diet so we don't have to take any medication we don't have to change something drastically in our life we can just influence it by our diet and this is why i think this is so important to be researched because we can change it directly every day mm, absolutely and um so this is essentially you know these are kind of little tiny living organisms that if we take care of them through our diet and our lifestyle they will take care of, I guess, way more aspects of us than we ever used to think. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and, and this is the thing, and, and the deeper I've dug into the topic of creativity, which relies on a healthy, firing, you know, engaged mind, then, of course, it, it would be then a, a common sense step to assume that we can, you know, we have control over maintaining that that part of us as, as an organism. This is true, uh, and especially as it comes to creativity. And because uh, I got very interested in gut microbiome because lots of people around me were suffering from some problems with the gut. They, their stomach was hurting a lot. And also I started very big, very interesting in, in IBS, all of the problems with our gut. And then I discovered this gut-brain axis, this connection between our mind and our, and our gut. And then it's just fascinating that lots of... Um, metabolize lots of uh, compounds that are influencing our our brain such as dopamine or serotonin so uh they are pr produced in the gut and the gut microbiome influences it so much so but just such a simple thing as for example eating more fiber or eating more fermented food you can influence your whole body and also it can influence your mind and especially that science like uh, statistical analysis of microbiome and this analysis of why microbiome changes some disease is quite difficult. So the unfortunately results are inconclusive. But scientists very often they are focusing on finding the differences in microbiome between healthy and sick people, and very often they find differences in people that have um, psychological disorders in their gut microbiome. So this is like sure that this is uh, somehow connected. As I said, the results are not conclusive yet, so we cannot like say, okay, this bacteria is, is good for our brain, so we can take this as a probiotic for sure it will work, but we are on a good way to, to do it right now. Mm. And I'm, I'm aware that, and have felt that stress has a, a very negative effect on the digestive system. So okay. does stress play a part in the health of the gut microbiome? Of course, yeah. So I think like anyone that was stressed before an interview or something, they are feeling upset, their stomach hurts, and actually, yes, our our stress is uh, the stress influencing a lot our body, especially our digestive system by this uh, gut brain axis, and also by the very long nerve, what's called vagus nerve, that comes from the brain to the gut and connects it. So there is a huge, huge interplay between our gut and our brain and our microbiome. And also, like, the good news is that you can also influence your microbiome and your health not only by diet, but also by some activities, so physical activity, and also by, for example, meditation. Uh, for example, in yoga, there is some respiratory work that's um, like you, you close your, your your face, let's say, and you hum, you hum a lot. And I never, like it was calming me a lot. I never knew why. And then I discovered like this is like activating somehow your vagus nerve and you're just, it's just a neuro neurological solution to it. Why humming, just doing sounds with your, with your nose and your mouth is just influencing your mood because it just calms you whole, your whole body by activating this nerve. It's, wow. And, that, and so that's the nerve that connects. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I think in today's 
fast-paced world, you know, where we're, a lot of us are balancing so much in our personal lives, in our the constant information overload through social media and all those kind of things. So I think a lot of people are probably more stressed than they they realize. It almost becomes a default state. It doesn't necessarily have to be stress in the way that we think of it as anxiety or panic or... Yes. Um, it can be very subtle, but also, I, I think, quite detrimental to our health. So that's really interesting to to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, I recently made changes to my, you know, I, I having researched for my own book, I, I learned, you know, which vegetables were particularly good for the hippocampus and, and things uh, that influence creativity. So for someone who, you know, got an F in science at school, just because I was disengaged with the way things were taught, didn't mean I wasn't interested. But now... At 40, learning all this stuff and then changing my own diet, it's been hugely satisfying because I've kind of eliminated the need for naps in the afternoon. And, you know, it's yes. simple changes. And I had a chat with a lady called Kimberly Wilson, and I haven't released the episode yet, but she focuses on what she calls whole body mental health. And it's very much about nutrition um, for, for good mental health. And and she talked about this and talked about how actually there were, there were studies where people with an Asian or a Mediterranean diet were put on a very processed Western diet and very quickly things went downhill in the, in the microbiome and in, and in stress levels. Um, do you know much about that, about the kind of Western diet and the processed side of things? Yeah, of course. So as I said, you can influence microbiome with diet. And also uh, I think a good intro introduction is to say why we, like what is a good microbiome and what is bad microbiome. So the dysbiosis, also known as like bad microbiome, that's called bad microbiome, is is not yet very well defined. Like scientists are working very very much on like why gut microbiome is bad, like which bacteria influences it. Are those bacteria maybe there's something else that defines that gut microbiome is uh, is in dysbiosis? But what we know that people that are sick and they, for example, they have some kind of, of disease, they, their microbiome is different. We don't know what was first if microbiome changed in the beginning and that there was disease or there was the disease and then microbiome changed because um, like me as a scientist, I'm working on time series data on gut microbiome time series data, some re repeated measurements. And I see that the huge limitation of my study is the lack of data. So people are not collecting repeated measurements from the same person. So we cannot really know uh, how does the gut microbiome change because there's not enough data to fit any, any, any models, right? Statistical models or AI models. But so let's say that we don't know exactly yet what is bad microbiome, but we are a bit more sure of what good microbiome is. And good microbiome is a very diverse microbiome. The more bacteria you have, the more like the more function that they will have, and you more the more healthy you will be. So Western diet, which is very high in like sugar, processed food, uh, very greasy, like high high fat diet, it will not influence good our bacteria because they thrive on on fiber, like. Our bacteria like fiber, like very whole foods, um, grains, etc. And if you don't provide it, you will not make your microbiome just diverse, and it will just uh, influence more bad bacteria that will just, you know, thrive on those on those bad food. So this Western diet is is just is just bad for our gut health, and it leads to like this low inflammation in our body. So you are constant. Yeah, you are. If you eat bad, you will have very low but very constant inflammation in our body. And you can think of it as a very low but constant stress of having like a coworker that's just like, you know, is 
very nasty and every day you're just stressing a bit because of him it's not a huge stress so it's not the response okay something happened i need to act i need to do something with it but this is just a very constant low stress aka inflammation that is all the time in your body and you just get used to it just changing how your body functions and it influences so much everything that is going on like you can even think of it that if you eat bad, you will have more inflammation in your body, which make you it which will make it quite difficult for you to lose weight afterwards, or you will, will make you crave more food or sugar. So it's just a vicious circle that's very hard to to just break because you eat bad, so you have bad microbiome. Your your body is just in this state where okay, I eat bad, I'm it's just a very bad situation, and it's very hard to break the cycle. Uh, if you don't change a diet, for example, or take some probiotics or something else. Mm, yeah, because I, I believe it, this comes down to the kind of primal evolution, um, you know, in the sense that we crave fatty foods when we are in a heightened state of alarm or stress, because that goes back to times when there was more scarcity and, you mm-hmm. know, um, which is very interesting. And that's why I guess, you know, when we're tired, for example, and we've had a rough day at work, we are more likely to want to take away or uh, something that's easy and, and satisfying. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Of course. Yes. Yeah. And also like gut microbiome will influence hormones in our body and hormones are so much responsible for our, how we, how we like act when we are hungry, what we eat, etc. So, if you eat bad, you will just be more prone to take a take a takeaway or eat bad, eat very high processed food because your hormones will a bit like dictated to you, right? Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, of course, and we are we're animals ultimately, and I think that yes, we have consciousness and we are able to apprehend those behaviors to a degree. But when and I found this out myself through I'm a I'm a parent to young twins. I have three and a half year old children. So of course, the first couple of years, I'm completely exhausted and I'm more vulnerable to these kind of traps than ever before because I'm low energy and I don't have the same ability to compartmentalize and manage, you know, negative mm-hmm. thought patterns, which lead to all of these bad habits. Um, and I think there's just something about our modern lifestyles that make us more vulnerable to that too. Uh, sure. So you mentioned data there. I'm very interested in the AI aspect of your work because it's just it's something you talked about. Uh, recently when we when I saw you talk um, I'd love to just hear a little more about that sure. and is this a very recent thing in your work actually uh, to give maybe a bit more context so I'm a computational biology bio, biologist which means that I do experiments by using like simulation on my computers by coding and using bio, bioinformatics and, and like data science um, and also, to, to give a bit more context, gut microbiome is very difficult data to work with because um, you cannot cultivate bacteria from our gut in the laboratory. So it's very hard to understand what's going on just by working in wet lab, as we call just like laboratory. So you need computers, you need uh, mathematics, you need uh, AI, as we say, just to analyze the microbiome because how do you analyze? Like you will take a stool sample from a person and then you will you will put in the sequencing machine. And then you from this wet lab, the part is happening in the wet lab or a hospital, then you will move your data to the computer. And me uh, and other bioinformaticians and computational biologists, we will just analyze this data using sim- mathematical simulations and AI, however you call it. Uh, as it goes to AI, 
we have more and more computational power. It's cheaper right now. And also sequencing is cheaper. So all of this framework that enables us to understand microbiome is just becoming cheaper and cheaper. So we can uh, we can work on this data. There's more more and more databases that are available. So uh, it's just, just easier to work with. And actually, I'm, I'm not a huge, huge fan of using uh, AI for, for my research because um, I, I prefer like very basic and unfortunately not sexy <laughs> statistical analysis because they're, they are very easily, in, like, they are is easier to interpret. Like for me, what is important is to analyze the data and then get some conclusions. For example, in, in my company, because I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a team leader in an R&D, of an R&D department. So we try to understand some concept, why a therapy works, and then create a new therapy. So we have to understand very well which bacteria influence the outcome and how to then create a, a therapeutic with some bacteria. So we need something that's very highly interpretable. So I'm and my team, we are using lots and lots of statistical analysis, analysis that are very easy to interpret. And then... Um, We'll be moving a bit more to AI because I, I, AI is wonderful. It's, it's very powerful, but I think for now at the early stage of our research, we need something that is that will enable us to very well well understand the data before we will move to those powerful models that are a bit more black box than mm. than what we are doing are. Mm. It's very interesting, and I guess this goes back to what you said early on about creativity you know you you regardless of the power of the technology it still requires your you know your your constant ongoing creativity to round up all of that information with a clear goal in mind would that be right yes yes actually uh, i was talking with my friend about that that being a scientist is a bit of us being an artist and also a detective at the same time yeah. because like you are just you have, you have data thrown at you and the task of what you have to do with this data, but no one tells you what to do between those those two points, right? Like you have data and then you have the result, and you can do and everything you can do any actually everything that you want with this data just to get to the to the the, the end point like the the result. Uh, so you have to. I, I really like this detective work because I just I'm testing some hypotheses. I'm just thinking, okay, maybe it will work, and then I'm testing if it works. If it doesn't work, I hypothesize something else. Uh, so yeah, it's very highly creative process. And what I love about it the most is that science is a community work, and not community work, but it's a group work basically. So you cannot do science alone. You have to have collaborators. And uh, during my PhD, I I travel a lot. Uh, maybe too much, <laughs> but I love just traveling and and collaborating with different teams from different uh, countries, from different universities, because everyone has has such a unique mind and unique way of thinking about the same problem, basically. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'm stuck in an idea, and then I speak to someone else, even someone in the room or in the in different country. It doesn't matter, but they will have a completely unique approach to my problem, and that will just it, it will just be amazing so i really like this this creative process of just working with people that will have some ideas we have this brainstorming i really like the brainstorming part then we what i really also like is that it you have this brainstorming part with people and then you can be alone which is great because you can concentrate and you can get read some paper do some coding etc and then you meet again and discuss results so this is once again creative and then you come back and you are alone once again so this is a very 
good balance for me just to be with people and be alone in, with my own thoughts. So yeah, I really, I really like it. You know, it's yeah, it's music to my ears because that's exactly what I love about about my industry. It's exactly the same thing. I think we we are very um, social animals, and we it's fundamental for us to to have that. You know, because yeah, it's important, like you said, to spend all that time in the lab, so to speak. You know, I, I can spend most of my week often in a garden studio. You know, and but then ultimately, just to have that one thing, like uh, I went to Off Festival in Barcelona last year, which was. Mm-hmm something like 4,500 people per day came to the design museum and just heard talks and met and, and, you know, and it was just wonderful energy and you go away and you have a lift and it just lights your enthusiasm, doesn't it? And, and, but like you said, also the cross pollination of ideas is absolutely vital and um, you can't overstate the value of that. You cannot. I really like doing also conferences because in science, we, we love conferences and we do lots of conferences and I and I see that of course science part is very important during a conference because we have talks, you have posters, etc. But the most important part is this collaboration, those talks that are ha- happening during breaks and other you know, and other moments. And I, I love it a lot because like you can, there are some scientists that are working alone; they don't collaborate. But I really I don't understand how can you do science if you're not collaborating with people and not just because I've also this the second part the second problem in science is that sometimes you are so close with your research you want to be the first one you want to be the only one that discovered something that you don't share it with other people mm-hmm. and this is this is very hard because you have to collaborate but at the same time you want to be the first and the only the first author you want to be the only author of, of some discovery so it's a bit tricky, but I think that it's better to collaborate, even though someone might steal or just inspire from your idea. I think it's okay, it's completely fine because science is collaborative and maybe my idea for me will not work, but maybe it'll work for you or for someone else that just heard my idea and use it for a different uh, application, right? Absolutely. And I think that also, you know, maybe maybe your idea cannot reach its potential until someone else has just sprinkled that little bit of magic that you maybe couldn't exactly. see she was so focused you know and we've all felt that kind of experience before when we've missed something really obvious just because we, we were too close to the work exactly exactly yeah. yeah and so in terms of a week-to-week basis like is it quite varied you know you said you travel a lot is it do you spend a lot of time in the lab do you are you on the move what does a, what does is there such a thing as an average week of work for you Actually, from from a long time, no, <laughs> it's, it's 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 very very um, I would not say messy, but very busy, but like good kind of busy. I really like it. Actually, so I'm on my last year of the PhD, and then I'm so working in the company right now. So that was very new for me to to work as a leader, uh, especially I'm very young and I'm still in in the at the university. So I have this let's say double personality when I'm at the university. I'm a PhD student, but also I was always very very independent i'm a bit older than other students uh phd students so i was always working a bit more like a postdoc even though i was a i was a phd student and then in the company uh, i'm a leader so i have different ta- different tasks but uh actually i would say that being a scientist is a yearly cycle let's say because you have this part when you do your research you just have this brainstorming part you write grants and you just uh, you just plan what you will be doing for the next year or in the project. And then after you finished, 
you will have to write it. So I, I'm not a huge fan of this part because I really like doing research, but it's also very necessary just to put everything on paper, do figures, just just focus and, okay, say so we did that, we put it on paper, we, we do an article and we just send it to a journal. So this is like a yearly cycle of, of being a scientist when you do research and then you, sometimes of course it takes more than, than, than one year, uh, but then you publish and also, I travel a lot because we have some a lot of collaborators abroad. So, for example, I was uh, in a project with Estonia, and I was in Estonia in May, for example. I'm also in a project with Germany, so I spent three months last year in Germany. Uh, another project that we are having is with Warsaw and with San Diego. So I will be like until March next year, I will be traveling really, really a lot. Also, this year I was traveling a lot, and it's quite. It's quite hard to concentrate to do the research when you are on the move so much, mm. but I think that I just switched and now I can work. I can work on the plane, on the on the restaurant, like in the cafe or something. So I, it it just changed how I approach and how my brain is functioning. Let's say because I can focus a a bit more and better than before. Also, like I have lots of lots of projects, lots of uh, obligations. Also, I'm quite an active person, so I, I I run, I go to strength uh, strength training. So everything is very well planned, but I feel that my brain is and my body is adapting to it very fast, and I really like it. Like something that was very difficult and and hard in the beginning, now it's, it's just it's just very easy for me. So yes, it's it's, it's amazing. It's very it's very creative, a bit tiring, but and you have to adapt to it, but. It's a very great experience to have and to to do this all the time. Yeah. And how do you feel about the kind of the accessibility of um I guess the science, not just your your own work, but I ask this because the more that I researched and the more that I wrote this book, I I felt very, very fortunate to live at a time when all of this incredible information, all these research papers were just right there with one search at my fingertips. I thought that was magic and it enabled me to pull together all this information but then at the same time i feel like it's a lot and not just science but within information about psychology about creativity it's we still have some way to go in finding ways to get that into the education of more people i guess um do you have any kind of influence on how apart from like the journals of how your work accesses people because you know this is quite revolutionary stuff in terms of health yeah actually um i think it was in March this year, I was having another very technical meeting meeting because I'm I'm using lots of uh, like mathematics in my in my in my in my research, and I have another project uh, like meeting about where we are talking about the model and some parameters, something that will analyze gut microbiome, but in a very very technical way. And I felt quite bad after this call, and I was and I was thinking I don't want to do stuff that is understood only by like one percent of the population. I want to do something that can, you know, just all of people not interested maybe too much in science or microbiome can understand. And I started doing a bit more pop science stuff. So I I created this um, this Instagram account because I thought that's just like the easiest way uh, for me to reach. reach Rich people that they can talk about gut microbiome every day, and I really like that. And I I was quite surprised how many people like followed me and well, like are engaging in contact with me. I don't have that much time lately to to have this account, but I, I plan on coming back to it. Um, but 
what I don't really like about science is that there are some scientists that want it to be very exclusive. Like we are scientists, we just use very hard terms. We are just very, very exclusive group of very intelligent and highly scientific people. You know, this is very just for us, very like, you know, uh, secret. And I, and I don't really like it. I think that science should be accessible and we should make science very, very easy to understand for everyone because it is for everyone. Everyone will be will be using, for example, probiotics or everyone can change diet to, to have better health. But if you talk with someone who is, I don't know, a journalism architect and doesn't know nothing about biology, if you use very hard terms, he will not understand what's happening, right? Mm-hmm. But if you use very, very easy terms, the person will understand why it is important. So, uh, for example, right now with my supervisor, we are planning, like, wrote a grant, so right, waiting for the results. But basically, we want to analyze um, people in time. We want to analyze the gut microbiome in time. And we were thinking, like, okay, we will get this money, but how the hell we are going to get those people? Like, how the hell we are going to take find 40 people that will give us their samples for like five weeks you know and then we thought okay let's make it an initiative let's make it in let's let's maybe search something on social media and, and, and something else just to show people that listen microbiome is important you can change it but also we have to we have to analyze it and we want to understand why it's it changes so what we will what we wrote it's like a probiotic intervention, which co- which means that we will sample a person for some time and that we'll give the probiotic and just see what's happening. And that will also answer many questions like for how long you have to take probiotic, how your gut microbiome changes after the probiotic. So we have the study. It's super interesting. But now we have to make it very easy for people that will be giving their samples why it is important, uh, important for us. So... I talk a lot with my with my friends about gut microbiome and I think it's super, super important to, it's not a very sexy subject, I would say. It wasn't a sexy subject before, but I think that it's becoming very, very sexy right now and very popular. As you can see how many supplements and companies are creating supplements for gut microbiome. There are so many people say, I eat fermented food, take something to, to make your microbiome better. And people are buying it and taking those probiotics without really understanding why they are taking them. And I think like it's great that it's coming to our conscious that we have to take care of the microbiome. But for example, with probiotics, like you cannot take any probiotic and wait for the results. Like this is very important to make it very clear to people that there are different strains of bacteria in the probiotic, and you have to cha- you have to choose the probiotic for you. Like if you have antibiotic antibiotics, you will take a different probiotic. If you are feeling low energy, you will take maybe a different probiotic. If you want to have, I don't know, if you want to take care of your um, gluten digestion you have to take a different probiotic you have to people need to understand that it doesn't just like it matters a lot what which kind of bacteria you will put in your body and this is why it's very important to make science accessible for everyone and very easy to understand for absolutely everyone with any background that they have Mm. um if i want to something I don't, I don't think I have some more to say to that. Yeah. But I think like, for example, my, my part, my partner is not at all a scientific person and he didn't understand, like he was not understanding before why we have to eat healthy or what, why we have to do sports or take care of ourselves. But I think now he understands it and he feels the results and I'm really happy about it. Mm. So, so I can see how his consciousness changes. Yeah. So 
Yeah, absolutely. And um, and I think that you know this is why I adore podcasts as a as a as a medium because there are so many specialist ones. But actually, you know, this is where I come across many people who are specialists in these areas, and it is fun. You know, because in in that kind of environment, in a podcast interview, I guess you do have to kind of bring the language down a little bit so it's less academic. But it's yes. great because then it, you know, then that's there and that's there for people to go and access. And and to caveat what I said earlier about the kind of speed of degeneration with processed diets, I know that the same is also true to a degree. Of course, if you if there's damage that's happened, then of course that can be long lasting. But actually, and as I've found out myself, small steps over let's say a week, you can notice the health benefits quite quickly. And I've certainly noticed a better clarity of mind for my uptake in vegetables and, and a more balanced diet. That's true. This is very, very true. And I had, for example, trouble sleeping for, for two years. I think it was due to stress or, or, or something else. And then I started taking care of my, a bit more about of, of my nutrition, my hormones, like the stress relief exercise, because I really don't like when people say like, don't stress too much. Like stress is in everyday's life. You cannot get rid of it, but you can handle it. So you can handle it. There's many, many ways to handle stress. So I think this is so important. And I can see right now that my mind is very, very sharp. Like it was not that sharp one year ago, even though I have so much. I think I will have, I had one tenth of stuff I have to do now one year ago and I'm just performing well in it because I think that I just took care so much of my body and my brain and everything that's going on that it, it just performs well and I'm I'm quite amazed how the body can perform like well for example when you start doing sports and you just go for one once a week and that's too much and then you start running two three times then you go to the gym then do something and then you finish having like nine trainings per week and you're like okay I'm fine with it I can schedule it and I'm just feeling great. And you can just, you sleep better, you feel better. And this is just, just, just amazing. And I see it for, from my father, because my father, he's also in biomedical sciences and he's obsessed with supplements right now, with healthy diet, with everything. And I see that he lost lots of weight. He's feeling very well. Like his brain is functioning better. His vision even is, is better. He told me. So just by changing stuff in, in his diet and his, like he's taking some supplements and doing some sports, being outside also, it helped him a lot. Mm, that's really encouraging to hear and, 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 and rings true with everything that I've learned and um, experienced. So, yeah. Um, so what would you have, so let's say somebody's listened to our conversation today and, and you know, their ears have pricked over a certain aspect. Do you have a, a good entry or a good starting starting tip or, or suggestion was where somebody can start to learn a little more about the microbiome and about you know the diet and the effect on the mind there's so much resources everywhere basically in any language because lots and lots of people are researching microbiome i think the most important is to to understand how it influences our body and why why we should take care of this because i think without understanding it you don't you will not care about it. But once we understand that microbiome will influence the inflammation in your body, it protects you against, against bad bacteria, and it influences your mood, your metabolism, your hormones, actually everything. You will then you can move to, for example, reading why and how you can like how you can take care of it. And I think the most part is just to read about the connection of diet and microbiome. This is very, very important. Also, what is extremely important to say when talking about microbiome is antibiotics. 
So if possible, just avoid antibiotics because it's just it just kills everything in your gut. Not only the bad guys, but especially the good guys too. And if you are taking antibiotics, just take probiotics afterwards. Uh, so, and also what is very important, I would say, is <clears throat> how to take probiotics because it, it doesn't is not enough to take probiotics for like one week and wait for the results. Those bacteria need lots of time. They need lots of time to just feel home in your in your new gut, right? In, in the gut. So better diet to read how to how to eat to have better better microbiome also how to take probiotics and in, and add some probiotics to our diet every day but not only from from like probiotic supplements but also from fermented food and also if you increase your fiber intake you will have better microbiome in your gut also what i'm taking i think for, for two years now is the butyrate acid uh, so this is because our bacteria in the gut, they are producing something called short-chain fatty acids. And one of them is butyrate acid. And this is this is a substance that influences tremendously our gut. Like it influ it it acts in so many ways. It even it was proved it was proven, but let's let's think of it with a caution, to have anti-cancer properties, anti-inflammatory properties, like a source of energy for our gut. So I'm supplementing it uh, externally, this butyrate acid for like two years now, and I'm feeling very good. I have I have no problems with my intestines, intestines whatsoever. So I'm feeling very 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 good. Yes. So to sum up, yes, how how diet influences gut what you can eat to make it just more healthy, mm. add more fermented food. Um, because also now it's autumn and I can say I was not sick for last three years because I'm just taking so much care of my microbiome. I'm eating lots of fermented food and my immunity, which is very connected to gut microbiome is very good. So I can, it, it can be like minus 10 outside I'm running and I'm not getting sick afterwards. So my immunity is very good because I'm taking care of also the microbiome. Yeah. So yes, diet also how to take probiotics, how to choose probiotics for you and not take any probiotics from the pharmacy. And also it's very important to understand what kind of probiotic is good because as a supplement is not very well regulated yet, you can sell anything basically. And it's very important to check the source of the probiotic or any supplement that you are taking because it can be, it can be just, I would not say sugar, but it can be just not enough for your body to work. Yeah. in a substance like this yeah yeah and then i guess i would also say to, to to think about you know like what you said about the physical activity and it's the general foundations of a healthy life isn't it so to try and manage the mind and and, and if there are troubles and stresses to try to identify them but know that food can help that and then the gut microbiome is also helped by physical activity and staying well in that regard too so it's taking care of all the parts but i think it doesn't need to be too complicated with in terms of those first steps to make improvements so I think that you will invite any scientist here that's related to some biology of our body and they will say the same, that activity and good diet. Because like our body is a system that's connected. Everything is so much connected. And if you reduce the stress or just handle stress better, change your diet to be more like rich in whole foods, in vegetables, um, and have some activity, you will just feel, you will just feel great. Mm. And you know it's not only influences your gut microbiome but your your whole body basically brilliant well i think that just about covers everything and that's been wonderful actually i've got a lot there myself too so thank you very much thanks a lot <laughs> and um could i get you what, what was your uh, instagram channel for anybody who's listening that might want to it's 
isn't Paula in Polish? The name is feeling gut. So feeling like and gut like G U T. Cool. I'll get. I will find it and share the link. And is Thanks that the, a lot for having is that the best me. place? Is that the best place to chat to track your work, or do you have anywhere else outpost, or is it? Mm -hmm. I'm quite active on LinkedIn, so I'm quite. I, I really like LinkedIn as a medium, but also on Instagram you can find me. But as I said, it's, it's unfortunately only in Polish, uh, because I thought it would be just easier for me to to start. Yes, but LinkedIn is in English. Everything I post there is in English, so uh, so I encourage you to to talk to me. I'm always very happy to to do podcasts. Also, I did a podcast that last year in December, also on gut microbiome, and that was very cool for me. Like. I was never thinking that I would feel so good in pop science that to make it just accessible to everyone. But I think it's so rewarding. And I see people that are just sending me pictures of their like, I don't know, so fermented food that they are eating. I really like seeing those crazy pictures on my phone <laughs> because I feel my mission, my mission is done here. Everyone is eating. So, you know, <laughs> kimchi or something else. Yes. So it's very cool. Excellent. Well, thank you ever so much for your time, Zizana. It's been a joy. Thanks a lot for having me. Thank you ever so much to Susanna Kowalska for taking the time out of her busy schedule as a scientist, as a microbiologist. Um, wonderful stuff. I found that utterly fascinating and it's a track that I've gone down recently about revamping my diet and making sure that I take care of myself in terms of physical activity, uh, mental wellness and, and food. And since I have, it shouldn't come as a big, the big revelation that it has to me but it's revolutionized the way that I feel and my creativity. So I implore you to do the same. Take care of it, discipline yourself, get them sweet stuff out. It's, I'm so glad that I have, that I'm feeling these benefits and I want you guys to too. It's a personal thing, you'll go your own way, but I hope that it's something that you'll consider uh, after this. And if you didn't hear the Kimberly Wilson episode on 202, go back and do that now. Big stuff coming up. Please do support the Kickstarter. Uh, we're into the last two weeks for the Creative Condition book. If you're a fan of this show, you're going to love that book. Trust me. It's like a life's work, 10 years of work. Big thank you to founding sponsors of the show, illustrationx.com. Cheers for listening, guys. I'll see you next time. Take care. Stay creative. <laughs>